Alrighty, let's uh, let's get into it. <laughs> Another episode of the Battlefields and Bourbon podcast, um, where we sit and sip and talk battlefields and drink bourbon. Uh, we are excited for this episode, episode three, with our first guest as well as our first Virginia bourbon. Um, so it's super exciting, and we're keeping the theme of the the Gettysburg campaign topics, uh, for episode three. So if you haven't listened to episode one or two, go ahead and listen to those, um, and come back and join us here. But if you're tuned in now, uh, you know, sit down and grab yourself a, grab yourself a glass and pour some bourbon and let's talk history. Um, uh, let me introduce our first guest. He is a good friend of mine. I think I did the math. He's, we've been good. We've been friends for about Six or seven years, I think. Something like that. Something like that. Um, joined by, we were joined by the great Aaron Seaver. Uh, like I said, very good friend of mine. He is a co-worker, but more importantly, a friend. And uh, it's, it's great to have him as our first guest. He is a, a historian in my eyes and in the eyes of many. Just had your first roundtable speaking engagement this past week. First roundtable um, out of state. Now, I've, I've done a couple you know, here in Virginia, but that's the first one out of state. Yeah. So, and, um, you've given plenty of lectures and other talks and yeah, for, for us, you're a park mm-hmm. ranger for the great Shenandoah Valley battlefields national historic district. Yep. Uh, but prior to that, you had a, an amazing and long and dedicated 15 year career in law enforcement yeah. stretching from here all the way to you know the other side of the country. And, um, you know, thank you for your service and your time and, um, doing that and keeping everybody safe and but i'm just glad to have you now to use your brain you've got um and and teach teach folks about history um aaron besides the other things i mentioned has operated uh, a facebook page and a youtube channel called aaron's civil war travels uh we'll talk about this you know probably a little later too but aaron's been doing this since what 20 uh probably officially since 2016 there were a few videos before that mm-hmm. like 2015 2014 but really the first video on youtube I, I think was 2016 yeah so aaron does a great job of of bringing civil war sites to life through posts and through these videos uh traveling to places i mean how the furthest west is probably vicksburg now right uh Technically, yeah. actually, it would be uh, San Francisco, California. You have oh. Fort Alcatraz. Yeah. Uh, before it was the, the actual first prisoners were those uh, that were under the writ of habeas corpus when it was suspended. So they were thought to be Southern sympathizers. They were placed in Fort Alcatraz. Okay, so as, as, as far west as the other side yeah. of the country, yeah. and Sorry. everything, <laughs> everything in between. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and, and you do a great job of going to these not often visited off the beaten path sites. A lot of them where, you know, the only interpretation, if any, are a civil war trail sign or a state highway sign or even none at all. It's just something, you know, from traveling all over these years and it's stuff you've learned by visiting other sites and going to them. Uh, but he does a great job with interpretation and, and like I said, bringing these things to life and, um, I can't think of anyone better to be our first guest and to help us continue the story of uh, this Gettysburg campaign that we're covering uh, since these past three episodes um, with the topics today. And I'm sure you guys saw in the title with Aldi, Middleburg, and Upperville. But before we get into the the battles, let's not constrain this out any longer and let's pour some bourbon and I'll hand it over to Elijah to talk yeah. about the bourbon for this episode. Bourbon time. So we've got... Um 
Old Volstead Single Barrel Bourbon. Um, this is from Mount Defiance Distillery in Middleburg, Virginia. Um, the distillery itself is right in town, um, not actually on Mount Defiance, where we'll be talking about the battle. Um, so this mash bill is 70% corn, 25% white wheat, and 5% malted barley. Um, so being a weeded bourbon, there's no rye in this mash bill, so it's going to come across as a sweeter, softer, uh, much more mellow flavor profile. Um, Notable weeded bourbons that might ring a bell to some of you, uh, Weller, Larceny, Maker's Mark, Pappy Van Winkle, Old Fitzgerald, uh, those. Um, so yeah, Old Volstead's kind of follows that, uh, that path with, uh, using wheat as the third grain instead of rye. Um, so this one, just like Blanton's from last week is a single barrel. So this bourbon comes from one barrel. Um, so you're going to get a variation of flavor profiles from ver- barrel to barrel. Uh, this one on the label says aged for three years, but I believe theirs is a minimum of two. So this one's just a little older than what they normally put out. Um, so as a young distillery, that's kind of exciting to see that they're starting to put out a little, little older stuff. Um, and then for 90 proof, I mean, yeah. So let's get into it. Yeah. Pop it. Pop a glass. All righty. Love that sound. (laughs) Never gets old. So I will say Mount Defiance is the, the distilleries there in Middleburg, and then they have a pretty large barn, I think, east of Middleburg, I think, um, where they do ciders and some other beverages. And I will say, when I was out there a couple weekends ago, they were having a sangria cider, and that was pretty, pretty banging. Yeah, <laughs> so they do a lot of great they, stuff. They do great sure. stuff. Let's let's sure. get some smell. Yeah, give a little nosing on it. Great smell. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's got a nice sweetness to it. I mean, it's it's very pleasing just off the nosing. Yeah, I'm a fan. Honestly, I am a fan. I like it. Yeah, that's good. And I think for something that you can find here in Virginia, um, it's a great pour. And if it's something that you're looking for that's new to try, I mean, what better one to try than a local business? Yeah, especially. Yeah. Yeah, especially, like you said, they're not, they haven't been around for, you know, they're not like one of these older groups. So that's, that's pretty good for a. Yeah, they've been out maybe, I'd say probably five years or so. I can't say exactly. I'm sure they will probably clarify that. But I know just from my travels to Middleburg and stuff, they popped up just in recent years. So for them to be able to produce something like that in that short amount of time is is honestly impressive because most of these smaller up and coming distilleries either. They'll source their bourbons from, you know, like MGP or another distillery or something. But, I mean, for them to make their own stuff and do it like that is, that's promising of, of what's to come for them. I mean, I'm, I would love to see something older from them, but what they've got right now is still pretty good for really a young good. one. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, with that said, um, and as Jack mentioned, Aldi, Middleburg, Upperville, we're going to start it off with Aldi, and I'll pass it over to Aaron, and we'll get, get into it with the Battle of Aldi. Yeah, so um, we'll set the scene a little bit. Uh, your second episode was on the Battle of Brandy Station, and that's really where the Union Cavalry uh, really starts to combat the Confederates uh, in a way the Confederates start to realize, hey, these these guys are the real deal. Um, so fast forward, we're now at June 17th, just days past uh, the Battle of Brandy Station. Lee is still moving his army toward the north, toward Pennsylvania. And uh, there's some other cavalry units around. This 
not everything is just concentrated down in Aldi. Uh, you're going to have uh, Albert Jenkins uh, with the Confederate Army, his, his mounted infantry, which basically were cavalry. Uh, they are going to be in complete control at this time of Franklin County, Pennsylvania. So they're pretty far north. Um, and then you're also going to have Brigadier General John M. Bowden, who's going to go to Cumberland, Maryland, and Durant, uh, demand the surrender there. He's going to throw a couple shells in uh, before uh, Cumberland finally falls. So you've got some action happening there. But then we get to Aldi on June 17th, and that's kind of a uh, an accidental engagement. Um, Thomas Mumford, who's in command of uh, Fitzhugh Lee's cavalry, is on his way to Aldi under Stewart's orders. And then uh, Judson Kilpatrick under Pleasanton's orders is heading to Aldi as well. And uh, that afternoon they're going to meet and uh, surprise each other. And there's going to be a very sharp fight through there. Uh, why and, Aldi? Do we know why? It's it's just it's going toward the Ashby and Snickersville gaps. Uh, so you have Aldi, Middleburg, all that's kind of. And Aldi's east of all of these, correct? Yes, it's like Aldi's, Aldi's in Middleburg, the Upperville. Yeah, Middleburg and Aldi are about, I think, four miles away from each other. Okay. Pretty evenly spaced, yeah. Um, but then, all along what we know today is Route 50, Route like 50. you said, that takes you to the Snickers Gap. Yes, yeah, Snickersville Gap. And, and, and the Blue Ridge uh, Mountains. And Yeah. So you've got... Uh, I think that one's Ashby Gap. Ashby Gap. Ashby yeah, Gap. My yeah, bad. Ashby, Ashby Gap is... Snickers is, is at seven. Yeah, Route Snick, seven. Barryville. Snickers is farther up. Which there's going to be a lot of action in both of those areas during this whole time. Uh, really, I would call this one massive cavalry battle from June 17th to June 21st. It's a bold statement, Mr. Seaver. <laughs> uh, it, it is, but if you look at it, really the only day that they don't have a lot of action is the 19th. Um, actually, that might be the 20th. Yeah, 19th was the day 19th of Middleburg. Yeah, Middleburg. The, the so Big the 20th Bay. is... Is when a lull in the battle. There's a lull. Yeah. Um, not much of one, but there's a lull. But yeah, June 17th, a lot going on. We know North. Uh, but Pleasanton has moved because he's under orders uh, from Hooker. And those orders are uh, sent to him through the chief of staff, Butterfield. And uh, it says, you know, the commanding general relies upon you with your cavalry force to give him information of where the enemy is, his force, and his movements. And then later it even says, it is better that we should lose men than to be without knowledge of the enemy. Now that sounds great. There's a problem with that. That's what Hooker is putting out to Pleasanton. That's what the War Department's seeing. That's what Abraham Lincoln's seeing. Hooker's also going to tell Pleasanton, don't leave me exposed. Protect the bull run gaps. Uh, at this point, they're still not sure Lee is going north. Um, even after we've had the battle of second, you know, the second battle of Winchester, the some of the soldiers even say it's it's about time for our annual whooping at Manassas. Uh, so the the Bull Run Mountains. That's true. The trend has always yeah, been the, the yeah. The trend is they're going to go get whooped at Bull Run. Uh, so Hooker is staying in place. He's moving a little bit, but he doesn't know where Lee is. So he's going to tell Pleasanton. I need you to protect me. Um, and I think some of this has to do with he got that shock at Chancellorsville where he got flank attacked. He doesn't want that to happen again. That was a really bad thing. Um, so I think his his thought process is he's a little, he's a little gun shy. So, uh, but Pleasanton's going to go against those orders, those kind of private orders, and he's going to push on. Uh, so when Aldi starts, again, it's, a, it's an accidental battle. Uh, but you're going to have 
uh, Justin Kilpatrick, who's in command of the second, fourth uh, New York, first Massachusetts, six Ohio. Uh, he is going to have these guys uh, come in, and, and he, you know, in, in perfect fashion of uh, Kilpatrick, he's just going to charge headlong. And you know, I think you guys mentioned it last time. He's he's known as Little Kill or Kill Calvary um, because of the massive amount of casualties <laughs> that, that tend to come from his attacks. Um, at Aldi, Thomas Mumford's got about 1,200 men, and he's got Breathroot's battery mm-hmm. with him. Uh, the collision at Aldi is actually about 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And Kilpatrick's going to call up his guns as the battle goes. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, uh, Randall. Uh, he's going to call up those guns to kind of counter the Confederate artillery. And uh, the 4th New York uh, is going to make a charge, as well as the 1st Massachusetts and some of the other units, uh, the first mass will actually get kind of trapped when they make a, a charge, and they're going to lose uh, 198 to 294 men. So the Federals are on the, the offensive The Federals here? are on the offensive. They're okay. gonna, yeah, Kilpatrick's going to come in, and he's going to attack. Um, that's just what he does. The Confederates have a good defensive position. Mm-hmm. Um, Mumford is he's at a little bit of a disadvantage because he doesn't have, he only has three of his cavalry regiments with him at Aldi. Uh, the others, the second and third Virginia are racing down the Snickersville turnpike, um, because they hear the sounds of battle. So they're going to, they're going to come down and, and try to get into that as soon as they can. But, uh, the fourth New York who originally, and I love this guy's name was under, uh, a guy named, Let's see how I I want to make sure I say it correctly here. Luigi Palma di Cessnola. Um, he is actually under arrest at this time. And he's under arrest uh, because he allowed the 4th New York to travel through an infantry camp. So I don't know that that's really a good reason. Kilpatrick has him placed under arrest, but that's what happens. So he's riding at the back of his 4th New York when this battle starts. He sees his his Fourth New York charge, and they get repulsed. Um, he gets so amped up that he rides to the front. He spurs to the front and decides to lead another charge. This guy has no sword, no guns. Everything's been taken away from him. He's still under arrest, uh, but he's going to lead a charge. Now they will be repulsed, uh, and Kilpatrick will release him from arrest and make sure he has a gun and saber at this point based on his bravery. Uh, and later he'll, he'll get wounded in another charge at Aldi and actually win the medal of honor for that. Uh, but that, you know, how, uh, how interesting to, to make a charge with no weaponry in front of all your command, knowing that you're, you're the target, you're the guy that's out in front and you have no way to defend yourself. Um, so he's going to, he's going to do that. The attacks at Aldi are not uh, absolutely devastating to the Confederates. Uh, there is several incidents where the skirmishing is happening all this time. Uh, and then you also have to look at Middleburg. There's troops going to Middleburg. Dufay uh, is under orders from Pleasanton to come in through the thoroughfare gap in the Bull Run Mountains and occupy Middleburg, which he will do. So would that, would that put... Who'd you say that was, Greg or uh, Dufay? Dufay. So would that put Dufay behind the Confederates then? He's kind mm-hmm. of more on their flank. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. Yeah. He's more on the flank. I don't know that he realizes that. Um, Do the Confederates realize it? 
Not exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Dufay is one of those guys. He actually uh, has said uh, at one time, he's like, hey, I do something good. Nobody notices. When I do bad, I get promoted. He did terrible <laughs> at Brandy Station. He was horrible. He got promoted. Um, so he, he's very true. I don't, I don't think we talked at all um, about Dufay because he's the one going through Stevensburg, right? Yes, yeah, Stevensburg. He's, he's, he splits off after Kelly's Ford. Yes. Okay. And uh, so Dufay is going to be in a, in a bad way at Middleburg, and, and we'll get to that. Uh, but meantime, down at Aldi, the fighting's getting more intense as units start to kind of come online. Uh, there's going to be a guy, uh, he's a captain, uh, Reuben Boston. He's going to be in kind of a forward position, part of the 5th Virginia. And he's going to have 50 men behind these haystacks. And as the Union Cavalry charges, they're going to take out the first kind of wave. But that second wave is going to capture all those guys. Uh, so it's it's a very quick uh, quick little fight there. That's on the Adams farmland. Um, so it's it's, you know, Aldi is definitely – uh, the beginning of this, mm-hmm. um, a lot of places have it as a skirmish, and and I don't think Pleasanton commits so much uh, based on the fact that he's he's got those counter orders from Hooker to not press too far. Um, so there there's that little caveat in there for him. Uh, when Duffy gets to Middleburg later, that will be around 4 p.m. And he is now with, he has the first Rhode Island, which is under Kilpatrick as well. And uh, his task is to hold Middleburg. And he's got a tough task because he's got to hold Middleburg all night. And the Confederates who retreated from Middleburg are coming all back them? in force. Uh, well, that's Middleburg. Okay. It is happening. That little part is happening as the Battle of Aldi is happening. Okay. Um, so you have. Uh, and I know Elijah, you've been there a lot, so if you got something to add with and that, that go so for that it, there right? on the seventeenth, as the uh, the federal cavalry kind of comes in to the town, that's when Jeb Stewart almost gets captured, is it not? Yes, he was yeah. at the uh, what was it, the Red Fox Inn? I think or? yes, uh, there, yeah, Red Fox. I think it's called the Red Fox Inn. I think that's um, where what it is today, but yeah, it was a tavern back then. Yeah, yeah, and you can still see it; it's still there. Um, fraternizing and you know having a good time with his with his staff, doing his normal and, yeah. Jeb Stewart, Stewart, thing, yeah. Stewart things, um, you know, and you, you've got to look too. I mean, he's going to, we look at Brandy station. He gets hammered for that. Um, and it was, it was a surprise attack. He gets hammered for his pursuit to Gettysburg. But you look at these battles, he's going to get hammered in the newspapers for these too, because they say it's, it's kind of a, a continuous thing of the surprise at Brandy Station. But Stewart actually performs fairly well during these battles. He, he His goal is to shield the Army of Northern Virginia. And he does which, that. Which is in the Shenandoah Valley. Cover these gaps. Cover yeah. the gaps so Hooker is blind. And Pleasanton, um, for one of the first times, the Union Cavalry is trying to gain information. They're not just kind of sent out on picket duty and things. Mm-hmm. So they, they, this whole thing is transforming before our eyes in 1863. The defining of federal cavalry. The defining of federal Which cavalry. Which is cool because just to see how they end up in 64 and 65 oh, towards the end, I mean. It's, it's a totally like, different force. Yeah. And it's like if they had that, you know, I hate what ifs, but it's just like it's crazy to see the transformation of federal cavalry because, you know, they're – they just are so strong and so effective at the latter years well, of the war. Some of the other things that affect them is it's not just them that are, that are involving. The quartermaster department is involving. Um, they 
when the horses went lame, they didn't have replacements. So by this time in 63, things are really starting to move. Um, they're sending 1,200 horses a day almost to the front lines because the cavalry needs them. You know, these guys, they're, they're fighting continuous battles here. And so the horses are given out. Um, and, you know, we tend to forget about the animal count that happens in the Civil War. You know, we've got, I think we're up to like 720,000 is what the new number is, something like that, uh, of casualties. I mean, that's still going up when you count civilians and things. But then you add in the animals. Um, and I think, is it Middleburg? There's got a, a, yeah, there's a museum. Yeah, there's a museum, museum or a, and monument a monument to the horses. Um, yeah. To the, the horses. I th- yeah, I think it's, yeah. And, uh, which is a cool monument. It's a really neat monument, but not a lot's thought about that, that these guys are, you know, these horses are, are just as much a casualty of, of this war. But, uh, Middleburg, or I'm sorry, Aldi, pretty much, uh, the Confederates will retreat from there. They're going to do kind of a leapfrogging thing. Uh, they're going to back off to another height. There's a lot of hills there. Uh, so once the Confederates retreat, they'll go to another defensive position. And, and again, they're not, they're threatening offense, but they're not offensive at this point. They're just they're, kind of stalling. Yeah, they're just stalling. wasting time just to keep the Federals yep. off of let, Lee's trail. You know? Let Lee continue marching and keep the Federals at bay. Buy as much time as you can. So by the end of the day of you know, the battle of Aldi or the skirmish at Aldi. Um, you said, you know, Stuart feels it in the papers and the criticism yeah. he gets, but let's just, you know, based off numbers and what we know the objectives are, you know, is it a, is it a, you know, Confederate, you know, victory? Is it the same kind of instance where it is at Brandy where no. Stuart holds it? Yeah. I would say, it, it, I mean, technically it's a union victory. They're in command of the field at Aldi. Uh, because Mumford moves back, Stuart has him move back. Stuart orders him to move back to another hill. However, the Confederates achieve their goal of, you know, stalling exactly, the yeah. Union advance. And that's why I guess that's why they call, the American Battlefield Trust calls it inconclusive. It's inconclusive. If you look at all three of these battles are considered inconclusive because they definitely, um, you know, the Confederates accomplish their goal and the Union's pressing them hard and they generally are in command of the field. Uh, so yeah, definitely a uh, an inconclusive battle in the end. So set us up for so what as they fall back to that secondary line. Yeah, so the battle always going to basically kind of peter out at that mm-hmm. point. Um, there will be heavy skirmishing, and even the next day um, when they start moving around. Uh, you know, up in Middleburg, there's still going to be heavy skirmishing in that area mm-hmm. of Aldi. Um, it's only four miles from Middleburg, so there's a lot of firing going on. Uh, the next day, the June, June 18th, this is when Duffy finds out that he's kind of alone in Middleburg, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to have the first Rhode Island. And out of uh, what he has there, he's, he's actually, when he goes into camp, he is camping yards away from the Ninth Virginia, and neither one of them know it. Um, how that happened, I don't know. They're in the same field, uh, and neither one of them <laughs> realized that, and they're camping close to each other. Um, so the next morning, he's he's basically surrounded. Now he's got to break out of Middleburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will have to. He's got two hundred and ten men with him on the First Rhode Island. The First Rhode Island will cease pretty much to exist. Uh, as Duffy will retreat to Aldi, he's going to yell at <laughs> it's every man for himself. He and 31 other men and officers are going to make it to Aldi. That, that's it. Uh, the other, uh, the 210 are going to be uh, missing or captured. Wow. 
Um, so Duffy, and, and he gets promoted right after that. That's when he actually becomes, um, when his promotion comes through. And then he's shipped out of the Army of the Potomac. It's kind of that promote you and move you somewhere else. Um, so uh, that's kind of his last hurrah. Uh, but the Confederates are actually going to be at, at Middleburg. They're going to be set up on Mount Defiance. Shout out to, Shout out to the bourbon. <laughs> um, so, you know, that is a, uh, I know Elijah's been there. Jack, have you been there? I mean, to Middleburg? To to Mount Defiance in Middleburg. Have not been to the location of Mount Defiance. I've seen the signs for it. I regret to say I haven't, like, toured the battlefield it, yet. I was hoping to do it before this episode. It's a little ridgeline just outside it's, of town. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, for being in a town there, um, Mount Defiance definitely, it holds up to its name, I, I would say. Um, Stewart's not really pushed off there. He decides to retreat. But that's where the Confederates are going to be. But that's where the Confederates are now at. Um, and that, it, around, uh, they've been fighting all morning at this point. Uh once uh, Dufay gets out of there, uh, the fight at Middleburg uh, really is going to amp up throughout the day. Um, you're going to have, I think, by 3 p.m., uh, that's when David Gregg, who's now come on scene, uh, for the most part, he came on at Aldi, but it was kind of late in the day. Uh, but Gregg, with the Union Army, is going to come on scene, and he's going to uh, be fighting against Stuart. And, uh, you know, this ridge is, is beaming with artillery and inf- uh, dismounted uh, soldiers. And uh, one of the biggest things in these areas is, um, and you can still see it today, there there are stone walls everywhere. Yeah, I mean, that's, if you, and we can, I mean, talk about it later too, but visiting the battlefield. But just to put it in perspective, this part of Loudoun County and Fauquier is, I guess, sneaks up in there for yeah, Upperville. A bit, yeah. Um, this is some of the most beautiful country Oh, absolutely. Besides the Shenandoah Valley, in my opinion, but um, this <laughs> this area of Virginia <laughs> is the it's, I think Loudoun County is the most wealthiest county in the nation. I think yep. yes. Um, but and that shows if you drive through this specific area, the yeah the stone walls that are there mark where and are probably some of the same ones that that whole area is littered with stone walls in a good way. Absolutely, and um, and still there today, and a lot you can. As you're driving down the road, I mean, there's stone walls on either side of you on Route 50, and you can really see, you get the the feel of of what these guys are doing. Like, I'm sure if you dropped a soldier there today, <laughs> from that was there in 1863, and you dropped them there today, other than some more trees, I mean, these are these are some pristine, you know, pristine landscapes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous it out there. hasn't changed much. Yeah, a lot of the, the farms are still the same and things like that. Um, but yeah, so Stewart's gonna, they're going to fight quite a while, um, on the 18th around Middleburg, but it's not gonna, it's not really going to pick, pick up until the 19th. That's when the actual battle of Middleburg, uh, will be. And again, Stewart is holding the gaps. That's his job and he, he's doing a good job of it. Um, during and this it looks like it actually happens on the 17th might be in the morning of the 18th i got a shout out to john mosby partisan ranger 43rd <laughs> battalion uh virginia he uh he is going to capture two guys and they are going to be carrying intelligence uh about what the dispositions of the union cavalry are pleasanton's going to find this out and say hey 
I'm pretty certain Mosby captured our guys, um, <laughs> which is, is kind of a Mosby thing. But this is going to allow Stewart to know what the Union Cavalry is doing so he can make an even better defensive plan. Uh, he's going to warn Wade Hampton, who's all the way down in Warrington, hey, there's an excursion coming your way. And that does happen, and Hampton's able to, to beat back that, that Union thrust um, just basically because of that. But all this time, uh, you know, the Union Army itself, Hooker is still, he's waiting. He doesn't understand, you know, what's going on. Um, again, he's thinking we might have a battle at Manassas. I, Hooker at one point even says, you know, we're probably going to fight at Manassas. Um, to, to, just to interject here a little yeah. bit, what, and maybe you can give a little background to it because I'm in the middle of reading it if we we're striking for Pennsylvania. Yes. But where is the rest of the federal, you know, where is the rest of the Army of Potomac at this point? So they are pretty much idle. Uh, the Fifth Corps is going to be your closest. Okay. Uh, they are going to be down in Gum Springs, and they will move up. Um the, the the whole division will go up through there, but or, or an entire division under Vincent uh, will go up there. They'll end up only using the third brigade um, later on at the Battle of Upperville, but or Goose Creek Bridge. But the Fifth Corps is the closest. They're kind of spread out. Uh, their goal is to protect Washington. So, although Hooker's trying to to do some other things. Um, he still has to cover Washington. He still has to cover Lincoln. Um, Which is amazing just because, okay, if we're looking at the 18th and the 19th of June, you got to think about it. Ewell's second Corps is by this point, have they crossed the Potomac they, yet? <laughs> they're in Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like we said, you know, Albert Jenkins, is he's riding, as as they would say with Stewart, he's riding up, some, up north somewhere getting his name in the papers. Uh, but that's what Jenkins is doing. He is very far up north into Pennsylvania. Um, and they're, and he, they're, partis, they're a partisan they're, com- command, right? Yes. Him and Bowdoin. And, and Jenkins will go back into – uh, Maryland, I think it's the 18th, and then he'll come back into Pennsylvania. They just continuously are making raids, um, which at this time now everybody's rushing toward Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, including some of, of Milroy's corps that got uh, destroyed there at 2nd Winchester. Uh, so everybody's going to Harrisburg. That's why I always like to call the Gettysburg campaign the Harrisburg campaign because that's where they were going. Yeah, But – and we what, ended up at Gettysburg. National Guard style troops <laughs> yeah, are getting it's called out it's, in and, Pennsylvania. And, and a lot of people uh, don't really – it's not just Pennsylvania troops. You've got troops from New York, the New York militia, New Jersey. All these places are coming. To Pennsylvania. To Pennsylvania. They actually – the New Yorkers will arrive in Harrisburg before the Pennsylvanians. And what's the deal? Is Hooker just not getting this information that everyone else is prepared for a Pennsylvania invasion but not him? It's so the the government doesn't quite believe it. Hooker again is gun shy and he doesn't I think he's just he doesn't want to believe that Lee has given him the slip and is going to Pennsylvania. Um now Governor Curtin in Pennsylvania uh is definitely he's he knows it's coming. He's like this is, you know, more than just a rumor. Uh, these guys, these Pennsylvanians at this point, the citizens, have had rumors like this a lot. They've, you know, Confederates have been in Chambersburg and things like that, uh, but never the army, like the full army. Um, 
so it's kind of iffy, you know, whether they believe it or not. Um, they, they will find out, you know, early July that, uh, you know, especially in Gettysburg, they'll, they'll find out that the army of Northern Virginia is very much in Pennsylvania. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the, uh, kind of what's going on there. Big picture. Yeah. Big picture. Uh, but on the 19th, we have the battle of Middleburg. Uh, this Stuart has that Mount defiance position and it's a good position facing East facing East. Mm-hmm. Um, he, again, protecting the gaps and he, he's going to eventually have to come out of that position. Uh, and it's kind of an accidental thing. Uh, Buford, uh, is John Buford, Union General, uh, probably known as the best cavalier uh, in the Army. Uh, very smart, very good, very good officer. Uh, he is going to try to flank Stuart. He's going to end up not quite uh, making that flank a movement uh, until about 6 p.m. Buford and the Reserve Brigade will actually be on the Rebel flank, and that'll cause Stuart to have to kind of drop back. Um, and the fighting in this area is going to be absolutely intense. As Stuart drops back to different positions, uh, there's there's an account of a Union trooper. His name's uh, Sergeant Michael Logan. And uh, this guy is going to be fighting the Confederates during this Battle of Middleburg uh, where he's, he ends up throwing rocks at people. And yeah, the car being assault. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, gets, he gets sabered, and then he's finally shot. Um, but the guy's throwing rocks at him, you know, and, and he's surrounded. And, uh, so the, the fighting is absolutely intense in Middleburg. What's um, the weather like on this day? So it, it's been raining off and on. I think during this particular part of the battle, it's actually, it's pretty hot and muggy. That's what I heard. Isn't um, this some of like some of the hottest degrees that day? Yeah. yeah. It's some it's of the hottest time, especially you think about you're riding the horse. That's why the horses are also breaking down so much. Uh, they're, they're overheated, um, and things like that. So by 6 PM, Buford and the reserve brigade will be on the flank of Stewart and push them back. That's when Stewart's going to move back toward Upperville and Goose Creek bridge, uh, which is, is, you know, the final clash there just West of Middleburg, just West of Middleburg. Now, one thing for you know Stuart when he gets to Goose Creek on that same day as the Battle of Middleburg, Wade Hampton is going to be with him uh, coming up from Warrenton, so that's going to bolster his his command, make him a little more defensible, uh, and and he's going to have a very good strong position at the uh, at the Goose Creek Bridge just between it's kind of between Middleburg and and Upperville where Goose um, Creek cuts across. Route 50? Maybe Route 50, yeah. Okay. The old Cuts bridge. There was a nice account there. Um, the Union Cavalry had mentioned that Confederates were skipping solid shots across the uh, cobblestones <laughs> yeah. of the bridge at them. So they were kind of aiming their artillery downward at the bridge, not so much at the Union lines, and just giving them solid shot. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a uh, solid iron uh, artillery projectile rather than an explosive projectile. Um and they were shooting those at the cobblestones, and obviously it's shooting with such a, such a high velocity that it's just going to skip across that rock and cobblestone up into their lines. And, I mean, that just kind of kept the uh, Union forces at bay um, when they were trying to cross the bridge there. Um, so that kind of held them off for a little bit until uh, ultimately they, they made their crossing and then set up for 
the Battle of Upperville. Is the bridge yeah. still there? I yes, it's still there. Absolutely. Is it the one that 50 goes over? Or no, no, is it like off no, to the... No, it's off to the north, side. Where the original the road north, was? Yeah. yeah. And there's there, a yeah. couple Civil War trail signs there. Uh, there's a sign that... It, uh, kind of marks that area on 50. It'll say pre, prelude to Gettysburg. It's a trail sign. Uh, there's a trail sign there. Okay. And I then, think I saw Dana uh, from Civil War Times. Yes. They, he did a video there. out there. Yeah. Yeah. They were there not that long ago. Yeah. Um, actually sat down and eating lunch on that bridge with my son. So oh, that's a, cool. Yeah. It's a neat little thing. Very, very calm now. Yeah. <laughs> not not <laughs> on Amazing, June 19th. Amazingly. June 19th, not so much. Now, June 20th. Is is kind of the lull in all of this. This is when Hampton arrives and they really get that position set up on Goose Creek Bridge. Um, the next day, the twenty first, and, and again, the Army of the Potomac still stationary. They don't have any information. Uh, Pleasanton has been close. He's seen Ashby's Gap. He's seen Snickersville Gap, but he can't get there. Um, and it's just Stewart's doing a heck of a job holding those gaps. Now, because of that, we're going to end up having a battle at Upperville um, on June 21st. And this is going to be an interesting battle because now infantry is going to be involved with the Union Army. This is going to be under Strong Vincent. Uh, the 3rd Brigade uh, is going to accompany David Gregg's uh, cavalry to Goose Creek. And about 8 a.m., uh, the Union artillery is going to start banging, and, and the Confederates, and they're going to they're going to have massive artillery barrages going against each other. Uh, the infantry line is going; they're trying to cross the bridge. They're having a hard time doing it. Uh, the infantry has tried to cross the bridge; it does not work. Um, they're a little bit slower, so than you know cavalry horses. Uh, so they're having a very hard time getting across this bridge. And eventually, they'll kind of switch it up, and they'll have the infantry wade the creek and the cavalry go across the bridge. In the meantime, we still have to look out for Buford, who was up on the flank. He is uh, going to start coming around um, on that flank even more as the battle progresses. And, uh, you know, we're going to have kind of a lot of things happen simultaneously. You're going to have the 4th New York, who is having a lot of hard time uh, the first couple days of these, uh, this campaign, uh, kind of, you know, they've lost their Colonel. Um, they, they're just, they've gotten repulsed a lot. They're going to be the men that are tasked with taking that bridge and, and they will do so. Uh, once that happens, there's a lot of hand to hand combat. Uh, Buford is going to continue to that flank. He can't quite get there. Uh, it's going to end up actually being some other other cavalry and uh, the infantry that are going to force Stuart back from Goose Creek Bridge. Uh, but in the meantime, Buford's going to attack a wagon train. Uh, that wagon train is under uh, Grumble Jones, Confederate Army. And he's going to end up, uh, there's going to be some heavy fighting there um, as he's trying to, to get to that flank area. Uh, Stuart actually gets into this. He starts fighting like a common soldier. Um, there's, there's a council steward just, he's down in the line. He's not, he's not sitting on a horse like a normal general and directing things. He's in it. Um, and, and you know, kind of what we know of Stuart, he, he enjoys that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but the Confederates, as they fall back, they're going to end up falling back into Upperville. Uh, and the, and the union troops will push them, uh, through there. 
in Upperville, they're actually going to set up a cannon. It's a howitzer. Uh, they're going to set it up in the middle of town, and they're going to kind of cover it. And as the Yankees come in, they're going to fire it. The problem is they fire over the Yankee, uh, and you know, the Yankee troops coming in, the Union Cavalry, they fire over it and the gun's captured. Um, this is going to be one of the first pieces that Stewart loses of his horse cavalry uh, or horse artillery. And so that's there's another ding on Stewart. Uh, but the Battle of Upperville isn't just going to be in Upperville. You also have a little town called Union. They're going to fight across the fields there. Again, great Civil War trail signs out there that really explain the fighting, uh, the, the trail sign points right at the field, and, and you can almost imagine the cavalry going after each other out through there. Where's Union in relation to Upperville? Uh, it is it's north of it. Yeah, it's just north of it. Okay. Um, so what we what we have to remember with all this is you have the Union uh, cavalry is still trying to get to either one of these gaps, Ashby's Gap or Snickersville Gap. So Union's up by Snickersville Gap. Upperville's closer to Ashby's Gap or Ashby Gap. Um, and then, uh, you know, Gamble under Buford and Devin are, are moving toward that, uh, Snickersville gap at one point. But as the fighting continues, uh, Stewart is going to again have to fall back. He's going to fall back to a place called Vineyard Hill. Um, now this is a spot where, uh, they're going to have a very good defensive line. Uh, again, Stewart will be in there fighting as a common soldier, but our, our boy Kilpatrick is actually going to get captured at Vineyard Hill and he's going to be captured long. Uh, but there's, uh, and, and we'll do the book recommendation here in a little bit, but in one of the books, uh, about this, this campaign, uh, the fourth Virginia ends up, or fourth Virginia, sorry, fourth New York ends up being the ones to save Kilpatrick. Now, the problem with that is Kilpatrick had put their beloved colonel under arrest for going through an infantry camp. Now their colonel has been captured and, arrest, and uh, wounded. And so they don't go right away to free Kilpatrick. Um, Captain Nehemiah Mann will implore the 4th Virginia or 4th New York. Sorry, I had a relative in the 4th Virginia, yeah. and that's why it keeps coming out. Uh, the 4th New York to, to go and save their general. And it's almost as if they kind of hesitate. Like, dude, you know, kind of mad. Uh, but they will. I mean, quickly they, they will recover. Now, Nehemiah Mann um, is kind of an oddball in the Union Army. He's a six-foot-tall Quaker. So, generally, Quakers didn't fight. Um, they were an- not necessarily, but, they, you know, not necessarily anti-war exactly. Well, anti-killing, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, they generally took non-combatant roles. Uh, Nehemiah Mann is not one of those that takes a non-combatant role. Actually, he charges right in, and they will, uh, they will get Kilpatrick back. But uh, it's just it, it's just amazing that uh, the thought of you know did the Fourth New York really want to get Kilpatrick yeah. back? Um, and again, you're going to have all these stone walls. Um, no matter where you go in this vicinity. There's going to be dismounted troops backed up by by horsemen uh, that are firing from behind these you know earthworks that they didn't have to put up, um, and so there's there's just going to be a lot of absolute chaos mm-hmm. going on over from the 17th to the 21st. Um, so how does this how does this wrap up then, Aaron? So basically, 
Stewart's going to still hold the gaps. Um, at one point, once he finally falls back, Pleasanton will be able to get up into one of the gaps eventually. But by this point, it's getting dark. They kind of know that the Confederates are there. Uh, Longstreet uh, is actually in Snickersville Gap with his infantry and some cannons. So when they when the, the cavalry finally falls back to that, the Union cavalry comes up and goes, oh, let's not go there. That's a bad, you know. We're going to get destroyed. Um, but they will make it up into the Blue Ridge. But by the time they get there, it's dark. They can't see So this is on lot. the 21st? This is on the 21st. Wow. So they make it all the way to the gaps. They do make it. They can't. They just can't really see anything. They don't. Technically, you could say Pleasanton accomplishes his goal. He's able to tell Hooker, yes, there are troops in the valley. But where are they going? Mm-hmm. Are they going to Pennsylvania? Are they going to stay in Maryland? Are they going to come down and... and Come back into Bull Run. Uh, so St- Hooker is still going to kind of lollygag for a couple days um, and not just, uh, as Butterfield said, go just bobbling around <laughs> in the countryside trying to figure out where the heck everything is. Uh, and Lee, you know, it's he's trusting Stewart implicitly, implicitly to hold those gaps. And if you think about it, you know, he just had that huge debacle at Brandy Station. Mm-hmm. Lee still got a lot of confidence in Stewart at this point, um, and, and throughout the war he will. You know, I, I think Lee says, you know, he never bought me a bad piece of information uh, before. You know, after Stewart is is killed at Yellow Tavern in eighteen sixty four. Spoiler alert! Yeah, <laughs> Stewart dies. Um, so, but you know, these battles here are extremely important to the Gettysburg campaign because this is the Union Army trying to fill out where the Confederates are. And and it really shows Lee's dispositions are very good. Um, he is he is not giving away a lot. And, uh, you know, shout out to Stonewall Jackson. He's, he's dead by this time. But that flank attack that he does at Chancellorsville – Really made Hooker gun shy. Traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's traumatizing thing. His army is almost destroyed, uh, based on that, and so he doesn't want that to happen again. So he's being extremely cautious. Yet at the same time, to please the War Department, President Lincoln, he's saying, "Yeah, go do this." Mm-hmm. And but then he's telling Pleasanton, "Hey, did not not so fast." Yeah. Um, so and you know, Alfred Pleasanton, unfortunately for him, gets kind of a bad rap for that because he doesn't press as hard as he possibly could. Uh, but that's not. Not necessarily his fault. So, kinda, yeah. So, anything else you want to add, Elijah? Like, kind of, what are the when you study yeah. this? What are some big takeaways you've noticed um, from these battles? Um, so, like the battles themselves, um, you find in terms of an archaeological standpoint, uh, things that I've found interesting, um, and one that we didn't mention in the episode so far is that the Union cavalry with their artillery. They've got 20-pounder Parrot rifles with yes. them, and that's something that I find very interesting because usually with cavalry, you're moving fast and you're getting from point A to point B quickly. Now, a 20-pounder Parrot rifle, that is a very, very heavy piece of equipment and something that you wouldn't normally expect solely a cavalry body to mm-hmm. be bringing along with them for the battle. That's something that you would think that would be in a fortification um, along with infantry, something like that. Now... I have personally found pieces of 20-pounder parrot shells wow. uh, throughout the Battle of Middleburg and stuff like sabots off of 20-pound parrot shells. Um, big shell, too. But um, 
Is that the one that's in the picture for this episode? It's not. I actually don't have a shell Sabbath. There are uh, some uh, percussion fuses, though, in the, okay. in the picture for the episode, yeah. which is interesting to note um, when you're looking at Middleburg and the, uh, I guess, the final lines of the Confederate uh, cavalry there. Uh, we did get on an impact area where there were some uh, shankle percussion fuses. So a shankle artillery shell is just the name of the patent of the shell. It kind of looks like a torpedo. It's got a paper mache. Um, they have a paper mache sabot on them rather than a lead or a brass sabot, which is kind of interesting. Um, not sh- sure how well that worked. Well, yeah, there's a dilemma with it in '62 that we can we'll talk about in another episode. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, uh, we got an impact area where uh, we found some percussion fuses um, where they were just kind of short shot rather than hitting on target, and they were just kind of blown right there in the ground. Um, Got on a few percussion fuses there, and that's that's what's in the picture there. Um, lots of great stuff in terms of like archaeological Finds, evidence. Yeah. In terms of yeah. yeah, like what's come there. I mean, there's there's been different instances where like I found like a spilled cartridge box in one little little area. Um, you can actually trace the lines of the Confederate cavalry in one spot um, where I was digging Confederate cavalrymen's bullets in a straight line yeah. backwards from their initial line back. I yeah. mean, it's, it's really cool to be able to map that out on the battlefield. So that way you're like, you're there, you're in it and you can find the physical evidence of the struggle that they were in. I mean, it's, it's just something that's really, really cool to me. Yeah. I think specifically in this area, what's fascinating and I kind of didn't realize it until Aaron was like talking about the battle and all the cavalry and stuff. I was like, this is, this is horse country now. Like, and I'm yeah. sure it was then, Um, but this is, you go there today and there's horse racetracks, there's, you know, you know, breeding centers and all these things out there. It's, it is Virginia's horse country. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, famous actor and, uh, man that plays Robert E. Lee in gods and generals, old Bobby Robert Duvall lives out there. This is his country. Now, can you name the only movie where Robert E. Lee has played twice in the same movie? No. So he's not really Robert E. Lee in the movie, but apocalypse now, (laughs) You have Martin Sheen and Robert De oh, okay, in the same okay. movie. Both men played Lee. Uh, but yeah, this so. is, this is uh, I've never ran into him out there. Yeah, but, I haven't uh, seen him either. I wonder if he's tried Mount Defiance, the old Volstead's uh, bourbon. Well, if he but, hasn't, he needs to. Yeah. This stuff's pretty good, yeah. I know, yeah. I've been yeah, second class here. The weeded bourbon's Duval, really good. Please. I would like to just clarify something about the cavalry finding out that Lee is in the Valley. That's actually scout from Beaufort mm-hmm. with his reserve brigade. Uh, Pleasanton's message to hooker is not necessarily that Lee is in the Valley. His message to hooker is, Hey, Lee's not in the Loudon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he doesn't, he doesn't send hooker the information that Lee is a hundred percent in the Valley. Like we were saying, he, he doesn't know a hundred percent. And, and, you know, that's when it, it's not till June 22nd, actually, that Beaufort will send scouts up the hill, the Blue Ridge, and, and they're able to see the numerous campfires. And what they're seeing is McClaws' troops. Um, and that information will be finally passed on to Hooker, but Hooker still doesn't move until June 25th. So this is Lee is, we've got another, you know, what, week? Yeah. And, and Lee is pushing toward Harrisonburg, Harrisburg at this time. Um, he's dragging his feet bad. He's dragging his, yeah, yes. Yeah. Hooker is just, again, I think he's just absolutely gun shy. Yeah. Um, but the casualties here, this is going to be uh, about 600 cavalrymen 
for the Confederates uh, that, that Stewart's going to lose between the three battles. Pleasanton's going to lose 900, which makes sense. He's attacking. Um, so, you know, you've got, what, about 1,500 casualties uh, for that, and you've got to throw in the fact that the first Massachusetts gets trapped, the first Rhode Island ceases to exist almost. And things like first that. Maine does some stuff out here, right? First Maine is involved. Uh, the they, only reason I say that is because isn't there a monument to them out is. there recently placed? There's a monument to Maine, and I, I want to say there's one to Massachusetts as well out there on these battlefields. On the battlefields, yeah. Maine is the most recent monument, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, that's I believe that's on is that one on Mount Defiance? There's one, a new monument on Mount Defiance. I think that's the main one. I think it might and, be it. And then the Massachusetts is over Snickersville um, Turnpike. Turnpike, yeah. yeah. Which uh if you go there to find that monument, it's a great, cool looking monument. Just be careful, it's kinda on a turn. Uh so that'll that'll get you. Uh which is actually why it's there for a reason because that's where the first Massachusetts gets trapped is on that turn on the Snickers uh, Turnpike. Uh, so they, they put that there um, to honor that. But that's – that's and it's definitely a sharp turn, so you can see why they would get trapped yeah. there. I guess that ties us right into visiting the battlefield today. We talked a little bit about it throughout the episode, Civil War trail signs there. But definitely. I know, Elijah, you've been out there, Aaron – have you done videos on these battles? I have not done videos on these particular battles. I do have a bunch of pictures from out there. I've okay. been out there several times. Uh, love the area. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it a little bit. Um, Aldi, what's there to see there? What can you do there? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, Is, there's the Aldi Mill. Okay. So that's, that's you know, everybody you loves mills. Hiding in the haystacks. Yeah. Yeah, everybody yeah. loves Hiding mills. Hiding in the haystacks. Everybody loves mills. There's Civil War trail signs all over okay. the place. Uh, out through there along the road. Um, the best thing to do is actually they Civil War Trails just did an interactive map not that mm-hmm. long ago, and you can actually just click on each. each yeah, side. when in doubt, and I guess that's so. This will be the same for Middleburg and Upperville, correct? Yes. There's yeah. no. I don't think there's any. Is there museums within these towns? Not. There's a couple monuments though. There's a lot of monuments now. Middleburg is very laid out. Um, yeah. there, there's monuments. There's a lot of signage in Middleburg. Yeah. Um, Aldi's got signage. Upperville's got signage. Um, each of these places that we talked about, Union, Goose Creek Bridge. Has signs. Has signs. And you can go stand, you know, basically where it was. A lot of, some of the stuff is privately owned. It's like a battlefield park without but being a battlefield it's, park. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Privately yeah, owned, but fully interpreted. Um, yeah. you can like visit, correct me if I'm wrong. You can go to the, it's Mount Defiance park now Yes, yeah. and there's signs there and okay. Yes. And there's, I believe there's a cannon up there too. So everybody loves cannons. Everybody loves cannons. Um, yeah. This is, it's beautiful country. I absolutely. mean, it is gorgeous. There's great places to eat. Um, I don't know if there's too many events that I'm aware of that get hosted out there. The old Mosby Heritage Area, the name's drawing a blank on me now. Is it the Virginia Piedmont Heritage? I think it's Piedmont Heritage Area. Yeah. Now they, I think they they do a lot of work out there, but yeah. I don't know if they and, host a conference every year. And in this in this area too, I mean, going back to Mosby, you have all this going on. But then this is what was called Mosby's Confederacy as well, the Loudon Valley. So Mosby's moving around constantly. So there's a lot of other things. Yeah, it's not just these three not battles. Just, yeah, it's not just June seventeenth through June twenty first. You've got Mosby moving around the in whole there. course Rector, of the war. Rectortown, Paris, all these different places. He is constantly there, and and a lot of these places you could still see some of the housing and things that his, you know, uh, partisan rangers would hide in, um, and some of the places where Mosby was, you know, wounded and captured and things like that. 
And keep in mind, and I just learned this like within the past week talking with a young historian friend of mine, um, the, in, in the end of the end of November into early December of 1864, Sheridan burning yes. this, the Loudoun Valley. The Loudoun um, Valley gets burned. I, and that often gets overlooked, I believe, in my opinion, by the burning in the Shenandoah Valley in October of 64. Yes. People kind of just overlook, go sheared and burned in six, you know. I think it's because in the in the Shenandoah Valley, it's a little more intense. Um, it's a larger area. It's a but, larger I mean, area, and it's it's the Loudon Valley provides, but not near what the Shenandoah Valley did, and so I think that, and, and also you know the valley, the Shenandoah Valley was an avenue of invasion. Obviously, we're talking about that right now. Lee's uh-huh. going down the valley into Pennsylvania. Um, but these were important. These battles in 63 were important yeah. because of the valley, the Shenandoah Valley, yep. and being able to access that for access purposes to get into it, but also for intelligence to see what's happening see in what's there. what's happening. Because the you Ridge can't Mountains. see what's on the other side of that mountain without yeah, going the, on it. The Blue Ridge Mountains do a, do a wonderful job of, of screening that. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, like you said, in 64, the Loudoun Valley does get burned. Uh, it's kind of that um, all-out war at that point. Uh, yeah, it's orders from Grant in August, the same time he's given those orders to what to do with the main Shenandoah Valley. Yeah. It's the same time he's like, handle the Loudoun Valley, and uh, Sheridan gets to that later after yeah. he handles what's there to do here yeah. in the valley. Yeah. Um, so now I would say after, you know, you asked what happened after these battles, um, Stuart, so Pleasanton's going to go back to Aldi. Um, he's still kind of under those, he's under those orders not to, you know, to get intelligence, but not go hog wild. Um, Stewart's going to pursue him, but at a distance. And eventually, uh, on information from Mosby, Stewart's going to attempt to ride around the Union Army one more time. Um, he's done it successfully a couple times. This time will not be as successful. Um, and not to get too far into Gettysburg, but he does make it up. Yeah, to catch us up to it because um, listeners, so, this is the last Gettysburg campaign episode yeah, we'll do for a while. So, so, so Stewart gets, like I said, a bad rap on getting, you know, going around the Union Army. But really, when you think about it, by the time he is where he's at, to turn around and come back through like the Snickersville Gap and into the Valley, it's it's not a plausible thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still going to be delayed. So he will go around. He'll get to the outskirts of D.C. He'll capture some wagon trains, which is part of his orders is to capture supplies for the Army. Um, he'll get to Carlisle and actually send some some uh, shells into Carlisle. And at that time, General Early under Yule is marching away from Carlisle. He's been called to Gettysburg, and he hears that. He doesn't send anybody back. He doesn't go back to find out why there's firing in Carlisle. He thinks it's just militia and maybe, you know, Jenkins or whatever. Um, had he done that, Stuart accomplishes his mission of meeting up with Yule and getting on that right flank of the Confederate Army. Uh, but that doesn't happen. Why? Who knows? Yeah. Um, so, there, you know, you can't uh, – Eric Wittenberg uh, went on a tour with him, and, and, and I'm in total agreement. You can't blame Stuart for the whole thing. Lee's orders are – Lee's orders, um, they're not exactly set in stone. And then, you know, I think we kind of have to blame a little bit of everybody. Early, Mosby, all this, because Mosby 
gives Stewart bad information. Doesn't happen often. Um, and I think when Mosby went and saw, hey, there's an opening here, I'm sure there was. But by the time Stewart gets there the next day, that opening's closed because now the Union Army is moving. Yeah, um, they figured out this is by the time that they have figured out. Okay, Lee is moving north. Um, so I think you you kind of there's a lot of blame to go around uh, with that. But uh, Stewart is the one that gets looked at as the as the guy that messes up the Gettysburg campaign because he he doesn't give intelligence that yeah you know could have been there possibly. Well, perfect. I think that was a good summary. And Aaron, let's hit our, because I know this was, you know, your recommendation. Our book recommendation for this episode yes. is? Uh, it's called uh, Small Riots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget the author's name. Yeah. Give me just a yeah. second. Yeah, Small But. Small But Important Riots. Yeah. Um, and so that book is by Robert F. O'Neill. Just came out this year, last uh, year, yeah, I think. It's a 2023 book, actually. Yeah. Um, it is kind of a, a rewrite of an older book with the same name. Uh, this is, yeah, copyright 2023. Um, he does a great job in here of talking about uh, a lot of different things. But it's Small But Important Riots, the Calvary Battles of Aldi, Middleburg, and Upperville, which are the, the proper names. Uh, again, we talked about Goose Creek Bridge and Union That's and an things alter- like that. Yeah. Those, are, those are all little places that, that attacks happen. in betweens. In between yeah, the in betweens, the in betweens, uh, but great book. Um, I read it, I finished it. It's in the back. It's got some some absolutely awesome uh, information about you know who was who was where, who was under who, uh, casualties, things like that. Um, you know, and and it's, it's a just, great uh, it's a great compilation of everything to yeah, do with what's happening absolutely great point. resource to have when you're studying these battles yeah. um and just came out awesome long ago well perfect well that's our book recommendation are the bourbon i think everybody has agreed is was fantastic oh yeah yeah for you know a weeded bourbon i think this is is this our first weeded on the yeah, yeah with yep, those first weeded yeah we did first low rye high we, rye now we're at weeded so we've kind of covered our bases there um, so and I think you can buy it in some ABC stores. I know you said you saw it in one, maybe or no? Most, was it most ABC stores in Virginia? Uh, I'm not sure their reach outside of Virginia. So if you're listening from outside of Virginia, uh, I don't know I exactly can, what to tell you on how to acquire a bottle of this. I but think you, you can order it online. Probably a lot of from places them. Able to. Yeah, go on their website, Mount yeah, Defiance Distillery. Um, I think you can buy it online, and they do the little five mil bottles you can buy too um, yeah, for yeah. small tastings but i bought that straight from their distillery and if not that's all the more reason to visit them yeah yeah go out visit them try some of that visit their distillery go walk to their around cider. the town yeah middleburg's a walk gorgeous around town middle town or uh, middleburg it, yeah. it's gorgeous you can still see sewer's headquarters and a lot of other fun stuff yeah so and I've got uh, it right here the uh, warhorse memorial Yes. Near the entrance of the National Sporting Library and Museum. Okay. So if you're looking for that. Um, it's like right across the street or up the block from the distillery. Yeah, yeah. almost as soon as you get into town on your right, um, if you're coming from Winchester, um, headed east, it's going to be right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool looking monument. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But Yeah, thank, thanks everyone for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to next episode where we have another guest. And a topic going to the hint for that one is 1862 
and we're jumping back into the Shenandoah Valley. So if that gives you a hint, but uh, stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to share this to your friends and other folks that are interested in listening. And if you have any comments or suggestions or feedback, please, uh, please let us know. And we uh, look forward to, you know, talking to you all soon. We'll see you on the next one.